We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Support for this podcast comes from Wild Turkey Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey. Let's tune in to their one-on-one with Jamal, a real bartender from Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. I really get into the backstory of whatever I'm pouring. Out of respect. There are literally years of experience behind these bottles. Wild Turkey, same recipe since 1942. If you want a true classic, this is what you want to order. Wild Turkey. Wild Turkey Distilling Company, Lawrenceburg, Kentucky. Copyright 2020, Campari, American, New York, New York. Never compromise, drink responsibly. They're going to kill the love of my life. Daisy! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Welcome to the Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast, the Wednesday version. This is Joe Bartle. Uh, Join alongside me is the always South Carolina fan, John McKechnie. What? I mean, I'm trying to get someone else going. I don't want to just compliment you the whole time. That's not a good thing to be a South Carolina fan. Well, I'm literally wearing a t-shirt with the state of Georgia on the back of it. You realize, (laughs) I mean, I'm showing it to you right now. It's the state of Georgia. I I have no affiliations with the state of South Carolina, and I am... Wait, so you're not a South Carolina fan? We're we're starting this podcast off, uh, and now now I'm very sour. Well, I think that you should be a South Carolina fan. They're so good. <laughs> they they do tend to beat Georgia at very inopportune times, but uh, yeah, not. I can't say that I'm a big big fan of South Carolina, and uh, I think that they're going to be in the toilet uh, for a while. I think even Kentucky uh, or even Vanderbilt uh, could probably beat them this year. I think they might finish last in the East. You took this way farther than I wanted you to. Like, I'm I, sorry. Look, you, you didn't have to give me a college breakdown. I just want to get you mad with the you, first five seconds. You goaded me, and now I'm now I'm furious. Now we're getting like a whole college break. <laughs> this is not the college football podcast, John. We we're not ready for this. Okay, quick, quick. All right, we need to go get into the NFL right this second. Okay, right? good. All right, let's break down today's news that's not college football related. Uh Arian Foster was announced today that he will not be playing in Friday's preseason game. This does not seem surprising to me, but I have talked to far too many Arian Foster fans that this might hurt their feelings. Like 
Correct me if I'm wrong, but Arian Foster is far too old to be trying to play in the NFL. Well, I mean, you take that into account. He's he's a running back, so you know that that shelf life is equivalent to to like buttermilk or something. And then you toss in the fact that he's coming off a torn Achilles, like one of the tougher injuries to come back from. Hasn't played in a while, and that injury happened, I think, in October, right? Yeah, right so, you know, there. We're, so you, we're not even that far removed from it. So, yeah, this this really isn't a shocker. Uh, you know, if you are a devoted Arian Foster fan, uh, this really shouldn't uh, shake like shake you to your core because I mean, this this does feel a little bit expected. Uh, do you like Foster heading into this year? No, I don't. I I'm not huge on anything that Miami has in its backfield right now. Because I mean, Jay Ajayi, yeah, he's a young guy, second year, but uh, his his knee is, uh, I believe, it's age seventy in terms of <laughs> in terms of how much cartilage it has. Um, and then Kenyon Drake is, is really just he's a good football player, but he's kind of just a glorified special teamer, in my opinion. He's not he's not a guy that's going to be a, a fantasy relevant running back. So I'm I'm pretty much staying away from that backfield in general. I'm. I just don't like Foster at all. So I was looking at the ADPs because we're going to be breaking that down a little bit more today. And ESPN had said like he jumped up six percent, or which ended up being like six rounds of draft picks. I'm like, are you kidding me? I Foster's not a guy that I want anywhere in the top six rounds. I'm no. not spending any money on him in auction leagues, and I certainly am not even looking at him in keeper dynasty formats. I don't know. Maybe PPR. Maybe you can talk me into a PPR thing, like as a third, fourth running back. But to me, Foster is not somebody. I want to even touch this is he's going on what is like eighth Achilles tear now in the last seven years. <laughs> I don't know always he, something yeah. with him. I'm just saying like, I don't there. The injury history with him is so scary and he's not on the Texans anymore. I know that Adam Gase is like this wonder Lord for running backs and whatever, but I don't think that you're going to find that same production out of foster on the dolphins behind Tannehill. Who's yeah, quarterback. And right. And yeah, receiving core, despite the fact that I love Landry and I love Parker, I, I don't think that the Dolphins offense is definitely one where I'm like, yes, running back really going to be good. Mm-hmm. Just does not make me feel confident. No, not not in the slightest. Uh, there, the, I do agree with you that they do have the like the solid receiving core, but Tannehill's uh, some people seem to be really adamant that he's going to take this this massive leap this year. Uh, I heard that last year, too. Right. I feel like I've heard that many times before and. Uh, so I'm not, not getting too, too excited about, about the Dolphins prospects overall. Yeah. It's just not something I really care about. So when I saw that, I was like, eh, whatever, but I, I know people that would be really sad that he's not gonna be playing in Friday's preseason game. All right. <laughs> Speaking of another person who's probably not playing in their upcoming preseason game, Ezekiel Elliott. He's been the man of our show for the last couple of weeks now. Right. We talked about his hamstring injury last week. Um, this does not surprise me either. I, I mean, he's the number four pick. I'd be shocked if they're pushing him to, to do anything that would be in potential of hurting himself or the team really in that sense. Cause they invest a lot in him. Alfred Morris is probably gonna get a lot of the playing time. A little bit of Lance Dunbar mixed in right now. I think, Ooh, fun. uh, Darren McFadden still not off the pup list. Pretty sure. Right. So to me, this seems like it's Alfred Morris's job to lose. It's, and we had talked about how he's your boy in our fantasy <laughs> tune segment last week. How do you feel about that? I mean, the, I kind of said said this last week. You know, with, with Zeke, are we worried or not about the hamstring injury that's going to keep him out, quote unquote, a little while? Uh, to me, I I pretty much said, you know, he might miss this first preseason game, and it's not really going to going to affect how I how I'm looking at Zeke uh, in terms of where I'm drafting him uh, in the season long. So. Yeah, and it's also the first preseason game. Like, who who's gonna trot out their starters and really like you know say say you're pay, you're playing the first half? Like, just cowboy does, fans, does. cowboy fans will. <laughs> well, uh, they are they are a rare breed, but yes. I mean, come on, man. Uh, this is Zeke. He's he's your prized possession. Your your first uh, your your top five draft pick. D- don't, there's no point in rushing him back from like a soft tissue injury like this. So I, I I'm really. Uh, not worried about him not playing this week and and especially with you know like I said he's got the skill set to where he he does he's not going to fall behind in some of like the the learning curve type of deal that that most rookie running backs would that that are missing time I think Zeke's going to be able to catch right back up once he is a full go so I'm not worried about him missing this week this is not a doom kind of deal for me like I know this news isn't great 
I would have loved to see him out there, even if it was a couple of series. Mm-hmm. But to me, if I'm drafting Ezekiel in the first round, and I plan on doing it in a few leagues, and I, I like him where he's been projected to go, this does not a big deal for me. That being said, I would definitely look at grabbing Alfred Morris as a handcuff kind of person or as a player. I'm not a huge handcuff guy. That's not really something I like to do. I feel like it's a wasted roster spot. But in this sense, any running back behind that offensive line probably will be pretty successful. So mm-hmm. whether it's Darren McFadden, whether it's Alfred Morris, whether it's Lance Dunbar, whether it's that fourth string running back that they really liked last year that I'm blanking on the name right now, <laughs> I think that you'll find success for a Cowboys running back. And Alfred Morris, while slow, like brontosaurus slow i think um <laughs> he i think he could be successful there so i would handcuff him and i would bring him into the fold just as a okay, and you can always cut him later on when you know that zeke's doing well and not beating his potential girlfriends like you can <laughs> it's fine then it's then you can just you know have alfred morris off right. the team and have somebody else but to me it's not a big deal yeah morris is definitely uh, i will i will agree with you there like he he's a guy that's definitely a little bit more on my radar than uh than he was when i was just ripping him last week mercilessly (laughs) (laughs) all right final news for today uh, and this is better news than i guess arian foster or zeke julian edelman has returned to practice for uh wednesday he had left practice yesterday yesterday being tuesday i always feel like i have to say the days Mm -hmm. um because he had potentially re-injured that foot that he had gotten done in the playoffs or right around the playoff time is that correct he uh he first injured it did he injure it against the Giants uh, during the regular season? I don't, want the, the, I don't watch the Patriots. Mike Dory told me enough about that. Yeah, right. <laughs> Same boat. But uh, yeah, I think he's had at least one, possibly two procedures on that foot. Um, so any any mention of him, you know, tweaking it in any way is is scary to me. Uh, I you know, and I know that uh, he came back to practice today. I don't know his level of participation but i'm a little bit worried about this because i mean edelman's a guy that that relies on precision precise cuts uh and you know really driving off that foot uh to get off the line of scrimmage so for me that i am a little bit more worried about this than than uh than the reports are kind of suggesting right now oh okay see that i did not realize that to me i'm like okay you know i'm not gonna take edelman unless it's a ppr league anyhow so his value is not that large for me to begin with, but I didn't seem that concerned with it. I thought he came out the procedures well. Everything I've been reading was fine, and this is just a minor setback. It sounded like it was worse than it was, and I always feel better when I hear those news, but maybe that's just because I'm an optimist. Mm-hmm. I mean, anything foot-related just always kind of like makes me raise an eyebrow just because of, you know, you know like I said, like the amount of force that, that's put on that on that part of your body and, you know, what if if it's not healing if it's not healed right or so, you know something's off i mean you, we saw des bryant's season go completely yeah. down the drain last season because of that or you know looking at a different sport people were starting to legitimately worry about kevin durant's future in the nba because of of that uh that repair that had to be done on his jones fracture like that it's a little bit scary to me i'm i'm worried those were literally the two examples i was going to pull up if you didn't so now say you, Bill Walton. Now you, now you seem like the smarter guy because I'm not going to say Bill Walton. Um, but to me, I'm not that worried about. It. I, you look at both those guys you mentioned. Des Bryant's reportedly really back healthy, like he's going to be fine this year. Mm-hmm. He's being taken in the first round, which is a little scary for me. But it's besides the point, Kevin Durant just got paid, uh, you know, approximately three billion dollars to go play Correct. for the Warriors. So, you know. I don't know about the foot injuries so much. I get it. I get what you're saying with Edelman and especially with how he runs his routes is a little different, but um, it's something always to be aware of and be concerned of if, if you are really high in Edelman, but to me, I guess I'm not. So that's the problem. (laughs) All right. Well then yeah, fair enough. If this is, if this is something where, you know, you're only taking Edelman and PPR, which, you know, I think is generally a pretty solid way of going about approaching Edelman, uh, then, you know, this isn't as big of a concern, but I do. I just I liked having him last year, and I'm rarely a guy that drafts Patriots, and uh, you know that really kind of took the air out of my team when he went out, and that was a non PPR format. He was still producing pretty well, I thought. Hmm. All right. Well, we had a few new segments introduced to our show last week. We had fantasy tunes, which went over very well for the three people that listened to this. Um, <laughs> we also had the Trent Richardson Hall of Fame watch that we introduced, and it's back. It's yeah, it's back. I mean, I don't think he'll ever leave the news. Even though he was cut by the Ravens mm-hmm. after, what, maybe two weeks on the team? <laughs> right. He's now back in the news. Uh, in a recent ESPN report, uh, Richardson stated that 
family members of his spent at least $1.5 million during his stint between the Browns and Colts in like a 10 month span. That was like totally unbeknownst to him, right? They were basically just like funneling the siphoning this money off from him. People were saying like his, his entourage were saying, man, this is happening. Your money's being spent. And he was like, yeah, I know, but I don't really care to dig into it. And then when he (laughs) did, he dug into it and saw a lot of money that was being taken out. I guess it was being spent mostly on bar tabs, which makes me think, gosh, I really need to party with Trent Richardson's family. Yeah, <laughs> yeah that's the big takeaway here is to, is to find the Richardsons and uh, say that we need to go out for, uh, I don't know, what, what's, what's a good drink special on Wednesdays? I mean, we already had tequila too. I mean, Wednesday's usually my rest day. Okay. If, I, if I'm <laughs> going a weekday drinking route. So... I don't know. Maybe we'll find him for some Thirsty Thursday action tomorrow night. It's too common of a name for me to just start scouting out everyone in the like Cleveland area for to find like a Richardson out there. But that would be interesting. I try not to make fun of this too much because I think this is a real problem that happens for a lot of people in the NFL. Yeah. And at least for you know T. Rich here, he's not got a lot of money to bank on anymore. Uh, I know he was a first round pick, but he might not be back in the NFL ever again. So exactly, this is kind of a crappy situation. I'm trying not to make fun of it too much. Um, but yeah, you know, Thursday, Thursday would be kind of a, a fun thing to do with the Richardson family. <laughs> That's bottom line here. But um, all right, what do we? What do you say we get into the main meat and potatoes of today's episode? We're getting into some different uh, league and draft strategies. Uh, you want to lead us off here? Yeah, sure. You got to stop using the phrases that I plan on using. I mean, I, this really is the meat and bones of what I plan on doing for the podcast. And uh, you just took that from me. You took my thunder again. It's <laughs> twice now in the span of, what, 10 minutes? We're going to have a real problem, I feel like, for the rest of the show. Great minds think alike is my opinion on this on this whole matter, ah, but uh, apparently see. not. Buttering me up with the compliments. All right, I appreciate <laughs> that. So we've talked a lot about the players we like specifically in our previous podcast, but this is a conversation that I have been having on a, a different forum that was just discussing how you draft and different league strategies and and how you're looking at constructing your whole roster. And I'm not normally one that wants to listen to what the experts say and just do this, but Mm -hmm. I know some people like to just be told what to do. And that's not really what I'm going to do here today. So breaking everyone's bubble right now, but we're going to break down a few different leagues, uh, how they're structured and how each of us would want to draft in those situations. I'm going to say right now, at least for my analysis, take this with a grain of salt. I like to really you know, develop and, and change my strategy as it's going on. I also tend to know the members in my draft really well. So I know that there's going to be some Patriots bias or sure. there's going to be Packer bias or bear hatred. And I can take advantage of those kinds of things. But for the most part, these are the kind of things I'm going to be looking forward to doing and breaking down these drafts. And, and I'll give a shout out to halt the cow or hail, the cow. I'm going to say halt the cow. Cause it sounds cooler. Um, but we had this discussion actually on uh, Mutthead, which is a really good source to go to if you are interested in Madden Ultimate Team. Oh, okay. As the esports editor, I feel like I have to plug this right now because I love Madden. It's by far my favorite sport <laughs> game. Um, but yeah, I, we had this conversation on there. So I, thank you for bringing this up. Uh, halt the cow. I'm going to say it again. How the cow. How now, brown cow. Because I think this is a really good conversation that I at least need to have and I'm interested in how we're going to break this down. So. Starting with the standard league, this is kind of what, you know, just what every other league normally does if it was just to auto set to the tunes here. One QB, two running backs, two receivers, one tight end, one flex, one defense special teams, and one kicker. So that's the roster that you're breaking with. I don't know how many bench spots. That's not really important right now. Mm -hmm. Scoring-wise, it's six points for every touchdown for running backs and receivers, but quarterbacks get four points for throwing a touchdown. One point for 25 passing yards for a quarterback, and then one point for 10 rushing, 10 receiving. That's a standard league. That's what you'll see for the most part. If you're just starting out, just having a fun office league and, you know, not really wanting to follow, not get too crazy. Mm -hmm. So for me, I think that you can definitely go one of two ways. If you're, it's like a first, like first two, three, four picks, receiver is definitely the way to go. I like Antonio Brown. I like Odell. You can definitely convince me to DeAndre Hopkins too. Like those are three guys I really love. I would take them high. I'd take them before really Todd Gurley, Adrian Peterson, Zeke Elliott. That being said, there's a real area like running backs, the middle to late first round that could definitely be had if you were really interested in there. Like most times I like to pick in the back half because then I know I'm going to get right away in the second round. Right. In this case, I think that's really going to be impactful. So my overall strategy, depending on how you want to go, I'm trying to get two running backs and two receivers out of my first four picks. Okay. Again, that's going to change from time to time, but that's kind of the general baseline. And do you feel like you want, like you structure that in one way or the other where like you'd like to, you know, maybe get that stud receiver first off and then, you know, 
say you're picking like in the top five, six, uh, you get that like really good receiver, elite receiver first off, and then on the on your next come around, maybe get go two running backs and then one receiver. Or do you you more just kind of play it by ear and you know kind of read the room? For me, it's definitely play it by ear, read the room. But I guess for the the strategy that I just outlined here, and for what we're going to kind of go to in a little bit here as I'm walking through. I just did two receiver and two running back, and then I flipped it and went two running back and two receiver, just based off of the ESPN ADPs to see what what actually would happen if you want you want to get two receivers and two running backs. So in a standard league, following ESPN ADP format right now, and I don't really trust those necessarily because sure. you know people can be doing different strategies and trying different things on ESPN leagues because it might not matter. But mm-hmm. for the standard leagues, that's what we're going to do right now. So if I was to pick at five, Julio Jones goes to me first. Great, got a stud receiver. Then if I'm going to come back and do another receiver, the next closest one would be Keenan Allen in the second round. So you get Julio and Keenan, two guys I'm really high on. I really like Keenan in particular, and I'm happy that he's in the second round. If you go into the third round, though, and this is where we're grabbing our running backs, we're looking at C.J. Anderson and then Carlos Hyde in the fourth round. That's a little scary to me. So, again, we talked about fluidity in this. We can take running backs and receivers, whatever. But if we're just to go taking ESPN ADP, two receivers, two running backs, C.J. Anderson and Carlos Hyde are not people that I want to be starting on my team. Carlos Hyde, maybe, but C.J. Anderson, definitely not. Okay, well, uh, I definitely picked C.J. Anderson in the third round of the Vegas League. Yeah, but, and we had talked about that, yep. and, we had, and you had <laughs> you had gave promising points for it, and I, and I understand your opinion, but to me, I'm looking at it like, oh my God, they have Ronnie Hillman, they have Devontae Booker, and they have Mark Sanchez slash Taylor Simeon. Tyler Simeon, Trevor, Trevor Simeon, a T Simeon as your quarterback. <laughs> like that's that that's not good. That's not going to help your running or passing. Uh, to me, CJ Anderson is a big concern to have in the third round and he's been rising up ESPN ADP. So to me, like, Ooh, yuck, I'm not, I'm not touching that area, mm-hmm. but that's what you're looking at. If you want two receivers, two running backs in a standard league. Right. And the, the you know, just touching back on, on the, on the Broncos thing and kind of applying it elsewhere. Um, this guy, Matt Harmon, he works for NFL.com. He's like, you know, just an absolute genius. Um, he wrote a really interesting article this week about how Gurley in a standard format shouldn't be a top five pick. Okay. And his premise was, you know, he broke down three variables, uh, the scoring offense, uh, the running backs uh, role in the passing game and, and uh, the quarterback handcuff as it were. And uh, a lot of the times, you know, especially since 2012, the best running backs have pretty much always had at least like a like a top half uh, quarterback along with okay. them to to take the pressure off. And obviously, in the situation with the Broncos, you're probably not getting that. Right. You, like you're not getting 16th or higher production from the quarterback. And with that, that does sort of uh, magnify the, like the the pressure that's on the running back to take the take the load off. Uh, and you know move the chains and stuff so that that is kind of an interesting point uh, I just wanted to touch on real quick well I mean Peyton Manning wasn't very good last year but CJ Anderson was still projected to be you know some people said the number one overall pick I, to me the quarterback thing is a big deal um, I look at even Frank Gore when he was with the 49ers Jeff Garcia days I'm pretty sure Gore was around then uh, but Garcia was yeah he was around for for a, like a uh an alarmingly long time and it's funny it's funny that you just bring him up like that totally threw me through a loop but yeah i feel like gore gore and garcia were definitely there at one point or the other i mean they're both a couple of dinosaurs well yeah but gore was gore was pretty good i mean with the 49ers he was really good even with colin kaepernick and i didn't think he was a top you know 15 quarterback that's me being a biased packers fan i understand (laughs) that he was pretty successful for a certain amount of time i hate him um (laughs) But so, like I said, I that's an interesting stat. I would have loved to dive into that a little bit more to see, like, okay, here's the upper echelon. What are we describing as upper echelon of quarterbacks, and then how did the running backs respond? That's a good point with Todd Gurley, though, too. And mm-hmm. we've discussed him a little bit before, but reading that because I'll be honest, I have not. You did not send that my way before a podcast preparation, so now I'm sad. Oops, my bad. Yeah. <laughs> Do you feel like Todd Gurley is a, a guy that you're a little scared of taking in the first round? Well, I'm always going to listen listen to uh, Senor Harmon on, on these sort of things. Um, but, you know, he did kind of, uh, you know, so he, he's, his point was that he, he wouldn't take him in the top five. Uh, and, it, you know, basically he would have to do all of these complete outlier type of performances in order to buck all of these trends that have been established over the last seven years. I think the data was going back to like 2009. Um, 
But then he did kind of give some credence and say, hey, Gurley was like one of the only people to buck, you know, these three trends last year, you know, in terms of his his uh, touchdown efficiency uh, and his ability to uh, I mean, just his overall efficiency. But, you know. I mean, I think this is this is a situation where, you know, you have to at least think twice about going girly in your top five now that now that you kind of bring in this historical data behind it. Well, here's one person that while you're talking, I was thinking of that has bucked every historical trend ever. And that's Adrian Peterson. I mean, that guy has not had a solid quarterback since I'm not even going to say it, but the guy that last name starts with an F. Um, The Hall of Fame guy? Yeah, the Hall of Fame guy. Oh, man. The the copper That's going to give me a different tangent because I was really sad about the Hall of Fame game being canceled, but we're we're not going to go there. That's not in our podcast plan. We're going to stick to the the script. Anyway, so Adrian Peterson, um, I mean, he's been really successful without a star quarterback. He was successful again last year when he's not doing bad things or being hurt. He's been one of the premier running backs without a good quarterback option. So there, there are outliers. They are there. Todd Gurley very, very, they may very well be one of them, but you know, that's really tough to say because it's only a second year. Right. And you know, basically the, the point here is that Gurley is capable and he has shown that he's capable of, of doing these extraordinary things that you don't see from other backs in similar situations. But you have to consider that, you know, that is a superhuman level of performance and you have to weigh it between yourself to, to where do you think that's truly bankable? Fair enough. Oh, so let's double back to this breaking down the rosters thing. So we gave what the first four picks would be if you're picking at number five based off of ESPN ADP and just going two receiver, two running back. Now let's switch it around. Let's do two running backs and two receivers. And John, I want you to tell me which roster sounds better to you, which one you'd feel better relying on. So okay. if you were to pick at number five and you weren't taking a receiver, Zeke Elliott would be your number five pick. And then that would be followed up with Le'Veon Bell of all running backs. So I don't think Le'Veon actually makes it there if you're in a league that, you know, is smart. Um, but right. that was where he was projected to go if you were picking at the five and you weren't taking a receiver. So Zeke at one, Le'Veon Bell at two. Then your first receiver ends up being Brandon Cooks. And then your second receiver ends up being, uh, you know, whether one of these four guys, Julian Edelman, Doug Baldwin, Jarvis Landry, or Randall Cobb. Like, they're all around that mix. For me, again, I, I talked about how I don't want Edelman if I'm in a non-PPR league, which is this. I would definitely be fine getting any one of those other three, though. So that's the lineups. Which one would you prefer out of that if you're just going this strategy? I need two receivers and two running backs. Okay, the, this uh, this is a great exercise because it kind of shatters my, my preconceived notion, uh, you know, kind of what I was going in here with because that first roster that you mentioned with with Julio Jones, uh, I think that's the best player amongst this group. But then you, yes. lo- you look at what else you're getting there and you're waiting on a guy like C.J. Anderson or Carlos Hyde, uh, whereas that second team where you, where you kind of load uh, running backs first off, that you got Zeke, you got Le'Veon or, or Lamar Miller, depending on your on your personal preference. Uh, Brandon Cooks, uh, he kind of burned me a little bit last year, but he was he was still fine overall. And then I, I would I would go the Doug Baldwin route uh, as my fourth piece uh, within that exercise. And I, I would say that I liked that that more running back top heavy uh, lineup if if it were. Uh, to be constructed that it feels way. more balanced right mm-hmm. like that's to me when i'm looking at that when i was putting it together i was like oh yeah you know this this does feel more balanced too i don't think you're going to get Le'Veon in the second round but even if it was lamar miller i would still rather have that unit before and oh by the way also uh which i didn't include in this you get ben roethlisberger in the fifth round that's where he's being taken right and i would say either roster you get ben at the fifth spot great Great team. That's a great core. And then you could pick up Ladarius Green or some other tight end later on. And that's a good foundation. To me, while you do get the best player in Julio Jones out of that whole group, I don't think your overall roster is as strong in a in a standard league. In a standard league. And you know, here I'm gonna I'm gonna toss it back to you with a little bit of revisionist history here. So I had it I was in a very much an average Joe type of league last like offense year to that right now hey now you're above average joe i would say but uh in the in this case you know this is a this is a standard 10 team espn league with my uncle just kind of regular dudes not like some kind of hoity-toity expert league okay and uh the way the first round broke down ap Levion. this i guess this would have been pre-suspension Levion. um okay. 
Eddie Lacy, Jamal Charles, Marshawn Lynch, C.J. Anderson, DeMarco Murray before the first receiver is taken, Antonio Brown. Then it went Jeremy Hill, LaShawn McCoy. And then I looked at the actual uh, points for flex guys last year. Brown, Jones, Devontae Freeman, Odell, Brandon Marshall, then AP, Allen Robinson, DeAndre Hopkins, Doug Baldwin, Doug Martin. So, I mean, a lot of the top scorers ended up being receivers. And I'm not going to argue against that. I think the receivers probably are going to be the top scorers this year. That's why I was saying Antonio, Odell, DeAndre, you could even argue Julio, should be among those first four or five picks. I get that. And if you're one that wants to be consistent and just get the best player, then I think receiver's the way to go. But what I'm trying to say is that there is depth at every single round for receiver, whereas running back, it drops off significantly around the 20 mark, especially in a standard league. I there You can find running backs off the scrap heap, like we, we talked about before we came on, Devonta Freeman. I mean, there's you said that uh, Tim Hightower won a whole bunch of leagues. Yeah, during a two-week period, Tim Hightower was one of the premier running backs in the league. Right. And I'm saying I can get you Sterling Shepard, who is going to be at least a top 35 receiver for 16 weeks, as opposed to finding somebody in the back half running back who might be a good running back for two weeks. That's my difference. Okay, my my next kind of point here is that those running backs that scored extremely high you know within those ranks they were all kind of later later on uh like draft picks I mean obviously Freeman you know he sort of came out of nowhere that's fair but you know a guy like Doug Martin D'Angelo Williams Lamar Miller uh David Johnson like they were all guys that you could have waited on and do you feel like this year what's different you know, whereas, you know, last year we all felt probably that it was justified to take Lacey as a top five guy. Right. Obviously not anymore. Uh, maybe you do, but. No, I don't think he's, <laughs> I think he's maybe first round. Like I, I, and I'm, I'm saying that being a Packer fan, I know it might sound biased, but I think he's late first round, early second round kind of material. I'll give you that. Okay. So, I mean, your question makes sense. I think that it's a little bit of different circumstance. So if we're talking about Doug Martin and um, there was one, oh, Lamar Miller, like, those were two guys that we knew were probably going to start heading in, mm-hmm. and they were probably had around seventh, eighth round. I'm not sure. I'd have to look off of your what your league did that year, but so seventh, eighth round. The comp for that would be like Latavius Murray or DeMarco Murray right now, which are being taken in the fourth or fifth round. Those are the comparisons. So I think last year we saw so many people get burned by hurt running backs, whether it was Jamal Charles, whether it was Eddie Lacy, whether it was Le'Veon Bell, there were Marshawn Lynch, like the, the whole top first round was just skewered. And yep. I, I think that that's a big reason why we're seeing the transition to run to receivers now. And that's fine. Receivers are safer. But I'm saying you can build a more stable roster by taking a running back now because you're not having to worry about trying to hit on those gold mines and you can get consistent production out of the receiver position later on. We're going to go into this a little bit more when we do like the PPR leagues, but there's guys like Vincent Jackson and Travis Benjamin who I think are going to be at least top 30, top 40 at the very worst starters which means in a three three receiver setting those guys will be starting on your team like and you can get those so late i i think that i would rather put the emphasis on running back early on and we'll we'll keep going on this so like let's break down now uh we did a standard league let's go ahead and break down a ppr league so just to run over for the audience this would be a standard ppr league or at least what i think to be a standard ppr league you can tweet at me and tell me if i'm wrong that's fine (laughs) one qb two running backs two receivers one tight end, one flex, one defense, one kicker, or one QB, two receivers, three, or I'm sorry, two running backs, three receivers, one tight end, one flex, defense, kicker. So the point being here, uh, difference between standard league might be the additional receiver, and also might be that you either get one point per catch by a player or one point per rush by a running back or a receiver, I guess, if like you're Antonio Brown and you get reverse every other game. So uh, you look at that, and now I think you definitely want to grab three receivers in the top five picks where, because you don't really know. You definitely want to get three receivers in the top five picks in this situation. Now I'm looking for more of overall talent. And I think receivers are going to come off the board a lot faster in these kind of drafts. So here are some names in the uh, third, fourth round that I like that you can grab Cobb Landry, Kelvin Benjamin, Golden Tate, your boy, Dante Moncrief, (laughs) Jeremy Macklin, uh, Julian Edelman, we've discussed him before. That Those are there in the third round. You do not have to take 
receiver in your first two picks. You can still go and grab a running back like Le'Veon if he lasts till second, you can, Lamar Miller, especially in a PPR format, and come back and get quality receiver starters in the third and fourth rounds. Those guys are going to be there, and there's going to be a whole bushel load of them, whereas running backs, it's not that much. Like It gets a little bit expanded when you have like a Theo Riddick and a Shane Vereen thrown in that can now actually do something. Sure. But for the most part, you still have quality receivers are there, and the running backs are still lower. I mean, there's just not enough running backs to go around. Do you think that the way you approach running back in a PPR, uh, you know, maybe it's not drastically affected, you know, obviously a guy like Theo Riddick or something uh, that he's way more in play in, in a PPR format than than just like your standard. But the way you do, you know, you list out the top 10 or so running backs, do, do you look at them differently or do you just feel like this is a running back. I'm just going to go with him because he fills that roster spot. And I know I'm getting quality production out of it. As opposed to like uh, taking Carlos Hyde as a top 10 running back. Sure. Something like that. So I think that you, you look that there's going to be a little more depth at the running back spot, but for PPR leagues, especially I'm looking at filling out a certain amount of points per percentage. This is something that Matthew Barry's kind of trademarked. Okay. I said TMR trademark. <laughs> <laughs> he did. Um, where you're looking to get a certain amount of points out of a specific position. So, okay, Theo Riddick, he's not going to get you many yards on the ground, maybe 20, but he's probably going to get you three to four screen plays. So that's six points if you do one point for every 10 rushing yards and then one point for a catch. Right. I need four other points out of my running back position from Theo. So does that mean you get, you know, 40 yards in receiving yards? Maybe. Does that mean that I look at Mark Ingram, who can get 73 rushing yards, but maybe only three catches? Mark Ingram might be someone I could value a little bit more, whereas other people be like, oh, no, Mark Ingram's not a PPR guy. Ugh, I don't want to touch him. That's where I'm looking at. I need the receivers, and I need some better ones, and I'll admit that, but you can still grab a running back higher up. Uh, yeah, I like the way you're looking at that, and I, I think uh, maybe sometimes people might just kind of overcorrect for the for the PPR thing, yeah. and they, they can sort of talk themselves into a guy like, you know, maybe like a Randall Cobb, like in the top 15 or 20, just because it's PPR and ignore a guy like maybe Jamal Charles wouldn't be the best example because he's a good pass catching uh, running back, but you know, more of a, a traditional uh, downhill runner that that's usually being like taken for Morris last yeah, year. Yeah. Yeah. Something like that. Um, you know, and, and you can overcorrect for it and you can overthink things. And, and so it's important to, to sort of, you know, take it, take it as a, at an even keel thing and, and not, overvalued just that single point i i want to make sure i have the best players but i also want to have a well-rounded roster yeah i don't want to have to worry about certain spots that you know okay i'm gonna to have to fix this in free agency that's not how i ever want to come out of a draft and for the most part i, I don't like I, I can fill out okay this is how the draft is going on oh, i want to might want to grab a quarterback here okay here's the receivers in the ppr format i think you see people plenty of times overreact saying oh gosh i need to get these best receivers and i'm telling you that there are plenty of guys left later on. Those those guys that I mentioned, the Cobb, Landry, Benjamin, Golden Tate, Moncrief, Jeremy Macklin, Edelman, that was all based off the My Fantasy League uh, ADP rankings. You can't search for ADP, at least I couldn't find it, PPR format for ESPN. Mm-hmm. Um, so I just picked My Fantasy. It's kind of one of the hoity-toity is what you used before, and I'd say that's kind of what this league is, but at least you're seeing the ADPs for right. these guys. And, you, and you're seeing serious ones, where, whereas like ESPN, uh, you know, because a lot of those mocks are free or whatever, like you can have some crazy skewed skewed like data off of that, whereas MFL, I feel like it's pretty uh, bankable uh, ADP rankings that, are, that, are, that make a lot of sense. So yeah, I see what you're saying. So I didn't want to do the same kind of uh, here's what rosters you could get because just I thought that would just take too long, frankly, if we do that. But I'm going to give you a couple of names that are available in the ninth to 15th round for both running back and receiver. And I want you to tell me out of those which one, like, or which, which position you feel better waiting on to draft, okay? Okay. So here's a running back, J.H.I., late ninth round being taken. Charles Sims in PPR leagues, late 10th round. Frank Gore, late 10th round. Okay, so those are, those are guys who can start. I think all of them can start and feel comfort, uh, comfortable with. Maybe not Ajayi, but uh, I'm just hoping that Foster breaks down. And we discussed earlier, we think he's going to, or right. at least I do. Uh, so I think that that's a, a player you can start. Okay. How many points do you think you're going to get out of Frank Gore in week nine? 
I'm I'm assuming it's not his bye week, but I might have picked his bye week out of randomness. <laughs> right. Uh, yeah. You know, like that's what I'm saying. Like, I, do I want to depend on a Frank Gore as my starting running back? Like, great, he got him in the ninth round, but yeez, I don't know if I want to do that. Okay. Seriously. Now let's let's flip it to the receivers. Here's who I can get in the tenth round or later: Willie Sneed, Stephon Diggs, Torrey Smith, Travis Benjamin, Kamar Aiken. Vincent Jackson, the 15th, Tyler Boyd in the 15th. Tyler Boyd is a rookie receiver who's probably going to be starting. I know you don't it's, like him. The Tyler Boyd love is so real. I'm, I, I, think, I think I might need to reevaluate some things because everybody's like, oh, my God, did you see this play he made in practice? He's going to be starting <laughs> on the Bengals offense, which was one of the top five in the league. Yeah. Andy Dalton, before he broke his thumb, was on fire, and I'm not just talking about his hair. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. Like, You can get Tyler Boyd and Vincent Jackson in the 15th round, and they are they're for sure starting for your team at the three receiver spot for sure that's true so while i want to get higher receivers in those first five picks i definitely am still looking for running back and i'm not just throwing that position away because i know that i can get guys later on that's not even talking about michael thomas from the saints who might be able to supplement somebody over there like he's the new uh, marquise colston or whatever mm-hmm. there's there's so many more guys there's a whole list of them i encourage you guys to check out the adp ranking like i I really, I really want you guys to look that out like, because this is, this is what I'm saying, that there are players you can find later on. And you know what? Even if those receivers don't pan out, you can find somebody in the free agent wire who, yeah, he's probably not going to be a top 10 running back that week, but I bet you'll be a top 25 receiver, top 30 receiver for majority of the weeks. And that's where I'm looking at more. Yeah, the, the, way, that you, the way that you structure this where you're looking at, do you want to wait and in, in roster, in roster like Ajayi, Sims, or Gore as your RB2? or wait a little bit uh, on your receivers and then get guys that, especially in this PPR format, like, like a Sneed that plays in an offense that you, that you got to like a lot or Diggs where he's going to be uh, probably like the number one option uh, for Teddy Bridgewater. And, you know, Torrey Smith, a lot of people are saying uh, he's a bounce back candidate with Ch- Chip Kelly's offense. So like those names are a lot more intriguing to me that um, than than like those running, those running backs we mentioned. Yeah, it's just and if we want to even go more over the top of this. So if you waited to draft those guys and like the Travis Benjamins, who I, I'm telling you, he's going to be amazing this year, but that's fine. Or the Tyler Boyd's very, very late and make those your starting receivers. Yeah, you're probably not going to be outscoring many people in the receiving category. But I'm assuming if you're doing this right, I'm assuming that if you're waiting on receiver, you're piling up on running backs and you're going to have a corner hold on that market True. for other people. So the point differential that you might lose at receiver starting a Travis Benjamin or Tyler Boyd, you you have got to be making that up in, in folds, I'm assuming, unless you're doing something drastically wrong, by the amount of running backs that you'll be able to roster. And that's not even including being able to trade. Like uh, For me, I love trading. Like That's my favorite thing about fantasy football. Mm-hmm. Fantasy anything. Trading is great. Boom. But like you're, the amount that you're holding there, that's why I like to always grab two or three tight ends because I know I'm going to hit at least one of them, normally two, and then I'm holding that value where somebody else can't get it. And you're affecting other rosters by doing that while still getting a starter on your team in Travis Benjamin or like Willie Sneed. Exactly. And, uh, you know, that, that really does kind of speak to the point of, of people uh, over, you know, kind of overcorrecting things. And then you, you're sort of just kind of scooping under and, and you're able to, to stack up all these valuable chips and you just wait for, wait for that one guy to, to have his, his running back that he took in like the first or second round didn't take another one until the 10th or 11th round. That first rounder gets hurt. You got guys, you know, and you can get the King's ransom or uh, sure. Or, you know, and we'll counter that fine. His guy gets hurt and he picks up a backup. Do you know if you're going to be able to pick up that backup? Do you, do you no. have the spot? Like for me, I don't know walking out of the draft. If I'm going to hit on the next Devonta Freeman, I do know that I have at least three receivers that I can start and feel confident in Tyler Boyd, Travis Benjamin, and then like Julio Jones. If I wanted to go with the number one, like mm-hmm. I know I have that on my team and I don't know if I have that with the uh, random free agent running back that is so good that everyone's going to start grabbing because they are going to be reading the same stuff you are reading. Yep. Yep, exactly. And, you know, like look at, uh, I mean, I know that some people in the office, you know, like spent their whole fab budget after week one or week two on like a Matt Jones type instead of a Devonte Freeman type. And, you know, I don't think it ended up very well for them. Well, right. And I mean, again, there's different formats, especially how free agents are picked, whether it be the waiver wire uh, priority list, whether it be a fab budget, which I recommend more because then you can feel a little more confident putting your, your money on mm-hmm. a running back. But th- those are still not hit or misses or they're still not hits all the time. 
I should say, and you, you don't know how long they will be hits for either. They could also get hurt. It's like this mystery X running back is going to be so great is apparently not able to get hurt like the other guys that you're saying. I, like, <laughs> of course I don't understand. not. Like, this, the, the rationale behind doing that really frustrates me. I understand why people want to do it, but it's personally something that I just can't, I can't handle. I don't like that one. So I like, I like knowing that I can walk out of the draft with my starters. I feel confident in this area. And like, oh, if somebody's the overcorrector of this draft, I have now got plenty of ammunition to go off with other people or to use on my own team. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah, that works out pretty well. Let's break down a couple of just off-the-script kind of uh, leagues that I've seen. And this is actually the, the first league I'm going to mention is the one that we have been discussing. Um, Hail the Cow had been discussing. Hail the Cow, whatever it is. I'm sorry. I really do appreciate your analysis, honestly, because this, <laughs> this brought such a good discussion for us. One running back, three receivers. Every other star is the same. Now, how many receivers are you going to be drafting in the first three picks? In the first three? In the first uh, three picks. I got to get a I got to get a running back in the in the first two I would say so I'd probably you know go with uh, well like uh, receiver running back receiver probably that's something when I was looking at this person was saying take all three receivers right away and maybe even keep going on that that's also an overcorrection as far as the I'm cornering the market on receivers uh, but they're they're to me it's like okay but now you're really hurting yourself finding a running back elsewhere. There's different strategies to look at this, and this is just my way of thinking, but I definitely want to grab at least one running back in the top three picks. Mm-hmm. If it's an only one running back league, I know there's uh, not as many that you need to start, but to get a better one is so much better in my yeah, there's mind. A, like, there's a huge premium on, on getting one of the elite running backs. I would much point. rather have Zeke Elliott than a DeMarco Murray, who we've been seeing goes around the fourth or fifth round. Mm-hmm. To me, that's so different, and and we don't even know if DeMar- uh, Demarco is going to do well. Same with like Latavius Murray, who is also around that area. I'd much rather have Adrian Peterson, Le'Veon Bell, Lamar Miller than uh, Demarco or Latavius. That's sure. just that's just something I guess personal preference. I don't know, but I know that the receiver is important. I still am taking a running back in those first three picks. I think that's it. yeah. That would in that format, that's the way to go. In a two running back, two receiver format, there's no flex this time around. Are you still putting the same amount of emphasis on receivers? Yeah, because I do think that uh, it's a little bit less volatile uh, as far as receivers go because I think, in, in general, the running back position, the, there's a, there's more attrition. And, you know, if last year's kind of example from earlier in the show tells us anything, it, it's it's that the receiver receivers, especially in the league that we know now, uh, they do carry a bit more value, and they're a little bit more uh, bankable. Uh, so, with the running back here, I, no, I'm, I'm honestly just sticking. Uh, I'm leaning a little bit heavier uh, receiver in terms of the no flex uh, to running back to receiver type deal. That's funny because I I feel the same way. I'm not sure why the flex really changes my strategy, but here. I do want to get the receivers because I feel like it's a little more bankable. That flex spot gives me the opportunity to start where I want to. Like I can, if mm-hmm. I have a good running back, I can play in there. If I have a good receiver, I can play in there different than my other roster. But here you're kind of set on who you're doing or who you're playing and who you're playing or doing each week. Uh, to me, I would rather have the receivers higher up, but that's not to say I wouldn't take a running back either. Again, I would, it's, it's a very fluid thing for me, but I would probably want to have, two receivers and one running back, at least within the first three picks. And if you wanted to go two receivers, two running backs in the first four picks, I get it. I probably would pick a quarterback, honestly. Just I, I like to have that stability at the position. I know there's a lot of value, especially with Andrew Luck being devalued, Ben mm-hmm. Roethlisberger being devalued. I would want to have those guys. But to me, I would go receiver a little higher in this situation. I think so, too. And then uh, we're looking at two-quarterback format next, right? Yeah, I mean, that's like the last variation league. It'd be two quarterbacks, two running backs, two receivers, tight end flex, defense kicker. Same thing, just you're adding a second quarterback. To me now, this doesn't really change that much more about the receivers and running backs, but it definitely has me taking a quarterback in the second round, uh, maybe maybe late first round if you're a Cam Newton kind of guy. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that Cam, Aaron, Andrew Luck, Roethlisberger and Blake should go off the Blake Bortles should go off the board within the first three or four rounds in a two QB league. I think that there's a lot more of like a premium on that. And I know that QB's deep. I get that. But again, there's so much uh, 
good feelings. Good feelings <laughs> that I have when I get another quarterback that I can count on as opposed to like Teddy Bridgewater or Ryan Tannehill. Yeah, you want you'd love to have a guy like Philip Rivers as your QB2 or something. Right. And uh the only two quarterback format that I've ever played in uh is is in a college league and uh we just had uh another uh college football uh, draft this past week with the two quarterback format and I, I went quarterback uh, first off and obviously not a ton of this is translatable uh, to to the NFL structure because I mean you know I took Texas Tech's quarterback for uh, with my first pick because he's just absolutely ridiculous and he's gonna put I mean those college numbers are so different but uh, so my experience with the NFL 2QB system uh, not as familiar with it but I do I do feel uh, or I do see what you're saying where you want to get, uh, I'd say like a top five quarterback and then, and then, uh, couple that with, with a guy like Philip Rivers or Eli Manning or who else do you think would be in that discussion? As, Tony as Romo like an ideal has been QB one that too. I really find Tony like Romo that. in there too. You could argue Matt Ryan. Um, if you are a Colin Kaepernick fan, again, I am not, I'm not either if you're a Colin Kaepernick fan. You could see him being a QB two and being a successful one. Those are those are kind of the I play a lot of two QB leagues because I don't know maybe I'm sadistic I guess it's like those <laughs> crazy leagues like that. Uh, but I always feel I just feel safe having a top five QB even like Tom Brady being your QB two knowing he's going to be gone for weeks you're going to have probably the best QB roster then of oh, all yeah. if you are if you're doing that kind of thing. So you know the two QB thing I'm going to be drafting one higher on and then I'm going to be taking out a receiver probably in that. I want to still have a good running back, so I'll be taking out a receiver knowing I can get them deeper on and knowing that they'll probably be pushed back because other people are going to be having quarterbacks higher. True, true. And, uh, yeah, exactly. I see what you're saying there. And then um, if we want to move on to, to like, an auction because, I mean, this is topical because, you know, we're T-minus an hour and 20 minutes from the Rotowire Stake League auctions uh, that are being held this afternoon. Yeah, we should probably break that down quick before we keep going on that. I know this, the auction discussion was kind of thrown in here at that last minute, but um, I will be honest right now in saying that I have not had much experience in the auction format. We did a, a, a Dynasty Keeper auction league that we discussed last week. Right. That was my first time with an auction league. So the Rotowire Stake League is a big deal for the listeners, just so you guys know that this is probably the highlight of my career right now. Um, <laughs> it's a 14-team league. There are two leagues, but 14 teams in it. The top six get their steak meal paid for by the bottom six players, and the middle two just get to pay for their own. So if you are, what is that then? Top one through six, you're getting your steak meal paid for. You can buy all the drinks you want, all the mashed potatoes on the side, all the steak that you can possibly eat, oh, yeah. and you're going to have somebody else pay for it. So... This could potentially be like a $200 investment that I might be failing because I don't know auction league formats. <laughs> so I'm really curious, John, what you feel like you do. I, I'm not even talking about like positions. Now let's just start like, how do you nominate? Who who are you nominating first? I have been leaning towards nominating players I just don't like, getting the money off the board. That's smart. That's a smart way. And then you can also, uh, you know, you, you have some experience in auction formats. I, I have more baseball auction experience but I, I think nominating someone that you're not so interested in and then if you're able to kind of bump the bid up a little bit on them uh to where you know especially we we're we're not crazy here like we're all going to be probably using the auction values that are on the the rotowire right. website as just sort of a baseline and i think this is a scenario where you can sort of get into someone else's head uh and, and you know if you if you bump a guy's uh, value up, maybe even a guy that you do like, and you you're comfortable going like two dollars over what our projected uh, value is on him. Like for for instance, uh, let's see here with the in a one hundred dollar budget, we're going to be doing two hundred dollar budget. So uh, I'll just double the price here. Like David Johnson, uh, our projected value would be fifty two dollars in a two hundred dollar budget. Uh, and then what if I went up to 55 would it scare people off it like i wouldn't mind leaving those or like spending that extra three dollars to go ahead and get a, a bankable stud uh whereas you know it's like oh i'm just not going to have three dollars to get on three scrubs later on like, right I, i'd rather just i'd rather just go after the top guys as much as i as my, as my budget uh can allow I, I think try try to spend a you know about 120 dollars uh, on my on like my top skill guys, maybe my 
top three skill guys, top four skill guys overall. So are you somebody that would be spending the money early in the draft? So I'm just trying to figure out how to get, like you're talking about getting in people's head. That's the stuff I need to know. Uh, For me, I'm like, okay, I'm going to nominate the the bad guys. I'm going to wait a long time, see if I can get some value later on. But I found that, at least in that dynasty format, I was missing a few people I really would have liked later on because I had spent money early to mid, and I would have liked to have a Keenan Allen who went for way cheaper than he probably should have. Well, to me, I, I would probably rather spend it early than, than late because uh, when you have what's called the, the nuts um, or the hammer, the nuts is poker. When you have the hammer, it's like you can keep the hammer laid on like, ooh, I can't, I can't bid up to $4 on Zach Ertz anymore because this guy has $7 left you know, as his, as his bidding uh, budget here, and I, I don't have that anymore. Oh, well. Yeah, oops. That, that's sorry. I already have David Johnson and and an amazing receiver uh, to boot, and you're you're kind of working with the with the middle class garbage. So no, I'd I'd rather spend it early and just kind of uh, get the show on the road there, build, build a really solid nucleus because you know baseball it's more it's more about having having a strong uh, you know what it. Trying to word this correctly here, but you know you need to you need to be you're only as strong as your weakest link in a lot of senses for for baseball, and you you want a more balanced team. But for it, as far as auction is concerned, but for football, I really do believe that you really want to try to get two guys, two to three guys that would be taken in the top twenty in like a ten team uh, snake draft or something like that. I, I, I tend sense? to agree with you. Yeah. Oh, I'm, I'm excited to see how this plays out. Um, I don't want to pay a bunch of money. So this is going to be a really big deal to me. And I want to make sure it's correct. Finally, let's just go down one last strategy that I've heard plenty of fantasy experts talk about. One that I'm not thrilled with, one that you guys probably realize I'm not thrilled with either. But uh, the zero running back strategy, basically the premise is that you're going to load up on wideouts, tight ends, quarterbacks, and you will not take a running back until probably seven, eight, nine and stack up on those chips that you're calling them earlier which, with guys that you're eventually assuming are going to pan out. How do you feel about the zero running back strategy? In terms of in terms of auction, I think that that really kind of throws me through a loop. Um, I mean, zero running back, it's something that I've done in the past, and like now that it, has, it kind of has like a trendy name attached to it, it doesn't really change how I feel about it. I, I think it, you know, the bottom line here, and the, this this just applies to almost anything. It, it's you know you got to be flexible. You got to be able to to sort of amend uh, your plan going into something. So it if you're trying to go hard hard and fast like oh i'm i'm going zero rb and then you have a guy like doug martin fall way below his adp to you like are you really gonna just stick to your guns to that to like uh to the The detriment of your team yeah i i mean to me it just seems seems silly now i know that when people say the zero rb strategy they're thinking that they're not going to find running back value at those spots. So I don't think anyone's crazy enough what, that they're doing the strategy and they're literally like, I'm not going to draft a running back. That's not what any fantasy person is telling you. That's no, nobody in the not allowed is to saying not. that. Yeah, nobody in the street is saying, don't take a running back ever. That's not what the zero running back strategy means. But it's more like in value to everything else that's happening. We have discussed this before. I, I, I don't feel comfortable leaving the draft without knowing I have a certain amount of percentage points from my running back from my receiver quarterback tight end so yeah you can take flyers on guys later on yeah you'll be able to pick up guys with your fab budget or waiver priority wire that'll probably be good for your team but you can find value at the running back spot and there won't be changes at times like you can't be scared off by what happened last year i know that we all talk about oh we got burned by player x or player y and i i'm one of them will say it too but to me you need to have you need to have some quality players not even stars quality players at the running back position right. because there's so few and it changes so many times. If you can land one of those guys that you feel pretty confident on, that's great. Much agreed. Well, I think that about wraps it up. Uh, you got any uh, other last things you'd like to touch on before we uh, sign off here? Oh, well, I think uh, if you have any other questions about how you want to handle a certain league format, drafting way, even a player, definitely hit us up on Twitter. Uh, my Twitter is JB Fantasy Sports. John, you want to give me yours? Yep, I'm at, I'm at Johnny McKex. It's uh, very difficult to spell. I have, I have a terrible online brand that I need to change. It's, <laughs> it, it, you spell it out uh, at J-O-H-N-N-Y-M-C-K 
ECHS. Um, so you can find me at Johnny McKex and JB Fantasy Sports for Joe there. Um, again, this was the Wednesday Rotowire Fantasy Football Podcast. Thanks again for having us, and we'll see you next week. They're going to kill the love of my life. Casey! If I don't go back to what I was doing. This Friday. Our line of work is quite brutal and quite ruthless. How far would you go for love? You steal truck, bring it to me. Then you make your money. Is it dangerous? Of course it's dangerous! Nicholas Holt, Felicity Jones, with Ben Kingsley and Anthony Hopkins. All this trouble, all this pain, for love. Collide, in theaters Friday. Rated PG-13, may be inappropriate for children under 13. Everyone is talking about magnesium. It's all you hear about. But why? What do we know about magnesium? Well, magnesium is the number one mineral that 75% of Americans are deficient in. If you are a woman over 35, magnesium will help you rediscover balance, energy, and vitality. Magnesium supports more than 300 enzymatic reactions in your body, including those involved in hormonal balance. From functional medicine doctors to mental well-being and female hormone experts, we all know that magnesium is the one mineral to improve all aspects of well-being and health. But which one? Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers. The trusted choice recommended by leading experts with seven best-absorbed forms of magnesium to ensure your body receives the support it needs for overall well-being. Go to bioptimizers.com slash balance today and use code BALANCE10 for 10% off. Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.